When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Uh, Coming to you pretty early, but uh, should have this up mid-morning. But uh, if you don't have Maroon on yet, you need to put it on. It's time to believe. It's time to get fired up. LSU's coming to town this weekend. Matter of fact, uh, they'll get here today, have their little walkthrough, and uh, we got early morning football. It was announced uh, earlier this week, I guess yesterday, somebody told me, less than 500 tickets remain. Uh, you, you and I both know LSU's going to travel, and, and they do, and uh, they're a very passionate fan base, as you guys know. Uh, you know, there's always a certain element, too. You know, there's people to make them look bad. But I'll tell you what's interesting. Just yesterday, I was on the radio with Matt Moscona uh, out of uh, Baton Rouge and done a lot of LSU media this week. And, uh, you know, been doing this a long time. Obviously, I've got a lot of friends in the media. But, uh, you know, Matt's a guy – I don't always agree with Matt, but I think Matt does a great job. And it's so incredibly, I, I guess, fortuitous, we'd say. So I'm on the phone yesterday with, uh, with Matt, kind of previewing the game, just kind of talking about how we see it. And I get a text – uh, from a old, old friend from, uh, I say all he's my age, but uh, my buddy Barry Bordelon out of Villeplatte and uh, works in the furniture industry. He and I worked together with Holly Myers for many years. One of the, one of the, one of the most passionate LSU families that I know. I absolutely love the Bordelon family. And uh, shortly thereafter, it's like I get a text. He's like, hey, are you on the phone? Are you on the radio with Matt Moscona right now? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And so, next thing I know, Charlie Bordelon, Barry's dad, who was my boss for a while in Opelousas, Louisiana. I don't know that I know many people better than Charlie Bordelon. I mean, this is the kind of guy, man, that, uh, you know, I must get emotional thinking about what a great man he was for me. I mean, when um, I worked for him, you know, when I got to Opelousas, Louisiana, it's a mouthful. Uh, Charlie's, you know, doing a great job on the sales floor. The credit department was kind of in bad shape. And so I took over, and we went from worst to first in the very first month. And, uh, of course, that gave Charlie an opportunity to, to sell more when he had a guy to, to, uh, to collect. And Charlie Bordelon stood on the wall for me. And, uh, you know, Hallig Myers, of course, was a national company. And we were, you know, the biggest furniture company in the world. And so there was talk about me being transferred out and getting a general manager position in West Monroe or over in Texas. And, and uh, Charlie Bordelon went to bat for me and says, nope, we need to keep Steve in our district. And as a result, the general manager that was in Natchitoches, Louisiana, where Northwestern State is, the home of the incredible Lazion's Meat Pie Kitchen downtown on the beautiful Cane River, uh, so, yeah, so the guy who was there left to go to West Monroe, which is where his family was. So then all of a sudden they had a, a, an opening in Natchitoches, and the story had been open about a year, and it was just doing okay. And uh, it changed my life. It did. And uh, Dan and I had a great run 
in Natchitoches. You know, that's where they filmed the movie Steel Magnolias. And, and uh, I will never, ever, ever be able to fully articulate how special that was. Uh, because of the fact that uh, we had a difficult year in 96. Ani was born in 95. And Dana uh, graduated from uh, Southern Miss and had a degree in chemistry and uh, was having a difficult time finding you know, a job in her field. And so we elected to move Lafayette, Louisiana. And that's where our mom was. And we just packed up and went down there. And it was 96 was a very difficult year. Very difficult. It was. I went on the sales floor, tried to learn how to sell furniture. I'd always been a credit guy, and uh, and so I learned, and uh, you know, became one of the best salespeople in the district. And Dana took a job testing chemicals. Uh, you know, uh, it's what chemists do. But uh, but nevertheless, I remember when I found out that I was going to get promoted to be the general manager in Natchitoches, Louisiana. The very first thing we did was go rent steel magnolias and watch that movie together, you know, and as a, as a man and a father and a husband, I remember that moment. It's a very special moment to me because I was like, we did it, you know, I did it, you know, with her support, but uh, I feel like in many respects, our real life began when we moved to Natchitoches, Louisiana, and I owe a lot of gratitude to one Charlie Bordelong, and uh, Charlie called me. We spoke for a while and kind of got caught up and you know, we've had some friends we work with that have passed on since then. It's a long time ago, man. And um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. And that's one of those things, too, like writing this book and everything else. I've kind of reconnected with so many people from my past. And Mr. Charlie was one of those people that um, was very special to me. Uh, because I was from Mississippi, he always called me Big Bubba, you know, always. And uh, he said that yesterday, and I thought I hadn't been called that in 90-something, since the 20-something years, I guess, 30-something years, whatever it is. It's been a long time, but uh, I just thought you'd find that interesting. You know, the world is really a small place, and, and there is this fraternity and family within Southeastern Conference football. You know, there is. And I can be on a radio show in Baton Rouge, and all of a sudden, some people from my past hear that and then reach out and say, hey, hey, glad you're doing well, and congratulations on your success. Because I remember every Saturday morning, and some of you guys will remember this, the ones of you that have been around a while, do you remember Countdown to Signing Day? Do you remember that show? came out on Saturdays. And, uh, yeah, of course, eventually my buddies Scott Kennedy and Jamie Newberg were a part of that. But every Saturday morning, me and Charlie Bordelong would get the DirecTV remote in that furniture store, and we would watch Countdown to Signing Day together. And I remember we had a big discussion. You know, when, when Wayne Madkin committed to Mississippi State, and Charlie said, oh, that's going to hurt Mississippi State trying to get Romero Miller. And I said, I don't think he was coming anyway, Charlie. And he goes, yeah, well, that Romero Miller kid's great. It's funny you look back in hindsight. You know, those decisions kind of shape a program, you know. But, uh, yeah, Charlie Bordelong was special to me. And so if you live in southwest Louisiana, uh, go give your furniture business to the Bordelongs, uh, a Faville Platte, as they say they're uh, – and real Cajuns there. And I, I've eaten at the pig stand more times than I can count, man. In the jungle, all those places out there. Uh, love my time in Louisiana, but I'm happy to be home. Glad I had the experience, but I'm happy to be home in Mississippi. Just thought you would find that interesting. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. It was special to me. Uh, I don't go to the pig stand and uh, jungle anymore. I go to Bulldog Burger Company. That's right. Uh, and I told you guys, I've been going a lot here as of late. And what's amazing to me when I go in there... You know how you go in some place, it's just kind of hit or miss? 
That's just not the case in Bulldog Burger Company. There's just such a consistency there that, uh, you know, kind of keeps me coming back. You know, I know what I can expect. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get good service. I'm going to get great food at a great price and a great atmosphere. More times than not, you know, I'm surrounded by people that know me. And so it's a very welcoming environment. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. If you already are beautiful enough, let me suggest those sloppy Joe fries. That's, that's probably my number two. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, that's probably my second favorite of the appetizers up there. But usually, they don't even have to ask me. They just can bring me to spring rolls. I have to wait, wait. I don't want to break any, break any mirrors because, uh, you know, I want to overload it with beauty, right? So let me get those sloppy Joe, fly, uh, sloppy Joe fries. We can get it out. And uh, maybe you're not in the mood for a burger today. That, that doesn't mean Bulldog Burger Company is not a good option for you. Uh, you want to eat fresh? Yeah, absolutely. Go get that BLT salad, man. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. Either way, it's fabulous, and the portion is so substantial. More times than not, you're not going to finish it, but you're going to leave there satisfied. And that's the reason you go, right, is to get nourishment, to enjoy a quality meal. You're going to get that every time out at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into this LSU preview. And, uh, you know, we'll throw a few bones at uh, our friends in South Louisiana, you know, uh, and here's the thing, too. I'll be honest with you. Like, when I first moved to uh, Louisiana, I didn't fully appreciate the fandom of LSU. True story. Now, after living among them, you know, I lived in, uh, lived in Dusan, Louisiana, uh, lived in Natchitoches, lived in Baton Rouge, and so I spent 18 years of my life living in Louisiana. There is a esprit de corps around that state that is difficult to explain. And if you've lived there, you know what I'm talking about. Everything is LSU. Everything. And it's one of the things that I'm envious about, and I've said many times, uh, not, not setting aside the national championships in baseball, because, of course, they took what we did to another level. But I wish, to be honest with you, I wish our fan base was more like LSU. And what I mean by that is it is one group pulling in the same direction all the time. It's like, you know, they may have a difference of opinion about who should start or who should play a spot, but it's all about LSU. It's all about branding. Everybody is like, you know what? we got to protect LSU, period. And that's an interesting dynamic. You know, it's like I've said before, like when you go recruit a kid in Louisiana, you're not going to get one in South Louisiana unless it's somebody LSU doesn't want. It's just not. Because every kid walking down that hallway is a tiger. And so it's not just disappointing a coaching staff. I mean, you're disappointing your peers and all these people and kids and teachers that you, know, you grew up going to school with and their families. And so, and it's not, you know, there's some implied pressure, right? I mean, the best players in Louisiana should go to LSU. I mean, that's just, that's the expectation. On our side of the fence, sometimes our people are like, oh, well, he's so good or go out of state. You know, we've got to change the way we think. We do. And, again, I'm very envious of the LSU folks because of that. Um, and sometimes that hadn't always been a good thing, right? Um, you know, sometimes something will happen, you know, and it's kind of like the, the mafia. You know, it's like uh, I remember, I cannot remember the kid's name. 
Ryan Perilou. That's who it was. Ryan Perilou. You remember Ryan Perilou? Yeah. His final two were Mississippi State and LSU. Well, you know, we hoped to get him. And, as a matter of fact, he told Derek Pegues he was coming to Mississippi State. Uh, he didn't. He went to LSU and uh, probably needed to get out of Louisiana, right? Uh, I think the hype was a little bit much for him. But Ron Perley goes to LSU, and there was an incident at a restaurant. don't remember all the details, but there was an incident. There was no violence or anything like that. It was just kind of a little unrest. You know, there was maybe some words exchanged, a couple of hard looks or whatever. And so uh, the incident happened, and there ended up being like a police report filed or something like that. And they go and interview the manager of the restaurant. And the manager of the restaurant sits there with a camera in his face, with a smug grin on his face. And he goes, oh, no, Mr. Perley was here and acted like a complete gentleman. There was no incident. I know what people were talking about. And he lied. He lied to protect the program and to protect LSU and to protect Ryan Perlew. Now, he probably should have just declined the interview, right? Well, most people would say, well, I can't believe he would do that. Man, the, the place was packed after that. Because all these LSU people are like, you know what, I'm going to reinforce this behavior. Let's go, you know. And I don't say that in any way to, to sound negative. It's just that, again, it's one group pulling in one direction more times than not. Again, they may disagree on the, on the details, but it's all about LSU. And uh, you go anywhere in that state, that's kind of how it is. If you want to beat LSU on a kid you really want, though, you, you typically have to do it in North Louisiana. you got to do it up around the Arklatex, or You might be able to go in New Orleans and get a kid. That's become to be more difficult in recent years than it has been uh, – you know, for a stretch there, LSU couldn't get anybody out of New Orleans. Um, and then uh, things changed. But, uh, but anyway, just, you know, again, that's how I see it after spending nearly two decades in Louisiana. Um, and, again, moved to Mississippi and uh, trimmed up a little bit. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of good food down there. And, if, again, if you live there, you know. Uh, but looking back at last year, you know, LSU 10-4, uh, and four, and they were four and three away from Tiger Stadium. Four and three. And, uh, yeah, again, talking to my OSU friends in the media, they're like, well, you know, I don't know if we got the right guy. I'll tell you, I, I thought that Brian Kelly and that staff did a really good job down the stretch. They, like, last year, they, got, they lose early to Florida State. And everybody's like, oh, you know, here it is. We're going to miss the playoff. And they did, okay. But OSU had a good year last year. Uh, and so they bounce back and they take care of Southern. And then we go down there. And I, again, as I've shared many times this week, I've been to Tiger Stadium probably more times than most Mississippi State fans, you know, living down there. And when I worked for Fox, I mean, sometimes they would need photos. You know, and that's the thing when you work for a company like that, they don't want to use the university photo. They want their own licensed image. And so there was, I went and shot the uh, – LSU game with Kentucky when Honey Badger went off and just uh, was phenomenal. Tyron Matthew, I enjoyed dealing with Tyron Matthew. I know some other people felt differently at the time because he had to grow up a little bit, but uh, he was great to me. And I remember getting some images from him and um, Leonard Fournette that uh, got used over and over and over again. But going to that game last year, that was the most subdued Tiger Stadium crowd I had seen outside of COVID. And, you know, you can't – that's like the disclaimer, right? You can't count that. Not to mention, you know, K.J. Costello goes in there and hits LSU in the mouth, and people are like, what's happening, you know? But the ball game last year, it's like they were expecting to lose, and all of a sudden we muff a punt, and everything changed. Everything changed. 
But they win that game 31-16. So it, wasn't, it was a win, but it wasn't an impressive win. And then they get, you know, New Mexico the next week. They take care of those guys. And then they go to Auburn and they win. But it was not in any way an impressive victory. They went 21-17. And, and that was a game, too, I think a lot of people thought, you know what, maybe this, this thing isn't going to work. You lose to Florida State. Uh, you know, you, you do beat Mississippi State, but it was a much more competitive game than I think people anticipated. You beat Auburn, even though it's an SEC win on the road. Auburn was a team that was in disarray, and you just go out and win that game by four points. Yeah, there was a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks. And so the LSU is finally in the top 25 again, and they're hosting Tennessee, who was just absolutely rolling high. And everybody's like, you know what, Tennessee, day game, you know, probably not the best, you know, chance for a big LSU upset, and it wasn't. Tennessee destroyed them 40 to 13. It was 20 to nothing before LSU got on the board. And that's when the detractors really came out. You look up and say, hey, they've already they only lost two games here. But again, you struggle to beat Mississippi State, you struggle to beat Auburn, and you get smacked in the mouth by Tennessee, and now you gotta go to Florida. Thankfully for LSU, Florida was in more disarray than they were. But I thought Brian Kelly kind of found something after the Tennessee game. Instead of kind of making, making Daniels be like the traditional pocket passer, I think he kind of learned a few things in the games leading up to this and said, you know what, let's just run the football and turn this kid loose a little bit. They put up 45 in the swamp. And you're like, okay, that's kind of a loud win in the swamp to go up and hang 45 on a Florida defense that's uh, pretty talented. They weren't a great team last year, but at the moment it was a loud win. The next week they host Ole Miss, who was number seven in the country. Um, of course, they had racked up wins against the Mississippi School of Math and Science and Bug Tussle Tech and people like that. And um, Jaden Daniels takes over that ball game. In back-to-back weeks, 45 points. It's a very loud win for LSU. You know, Brian Kelly, when he was at Notre Dame, that was a big talk is, you know, why would you go hire a guy that can't beat Alabama? Because Alabama had really made Notre Dame look pretty pedestrian. That was a big blemish on the Brian Kelly resume. They come in, they host Alabama on November the 5th after a bye week, and they get them in overtime 32-31. That changed the complexion of everything in the Southeastern Conference. Had a little bit of a hangover the next week, another 11 a.m. game, 13 points. And that's the thing. I pointed this out in an article earlier this week. LSU, two 11 a.m. games in 2022. They scored 13 points in each. They managed to, to beat Arkansas 13 to 10. And, and I remember watching that game. And I don't know what was going on with Jaden Daniels. It just took him a while to get going. But it just felt like that LSU, and again, maybe there's the hangover from you know, beating Alabama. They were not ready to play. And it was evident. It was just watching. There, I mean, Daniels is missing open receivers. They're turning the football over. It was not a good first half. And you look up and it's 6-3 at the break. You think, oh, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And I'm sure Arkansas was feeling the same way. It's like, hey, we're three points down in our backyard with this one of the better running games in the Southeastern Conference. We'll be okay. But LSU manages to hang on, wins the game 13-10. The next week it's UAB, 41-10. And then they go down there and lose Texas A&M. And so they win the West, but I really thought, again, offensively they found some things in the middle of the year. 
But I understand a little bit of the hesitation on behalf of LSU fans. Uh, even today, I've got p- people like, is, is he really the guy? Is he the right guy for us? And I, I can't answer that. I think the jury's still out on that. Uh, but I do think they did a really good job. When they got punched in the mouth last year, they responded really well. They did. And so, again, I pointed this out in that article. Did you know that Mississippi State has won six games in a row with an 11 a.m. kick? Did you know that? And State's 7-1 and one in the last eight. The last team to beat, LSU, to beat Mississippi State at 11 a.m. was LSU. Mike Leach, 7-1, 11 a.m. games. You want to go back to a nice round number of 10, State's 8-2 and two in 11 a.m. games. So, whatever that means, we'll see. But I know that LSU doesn't like playing during the day. At least not in that 11 a.m. time slot. And I don't like it either. But I think, again, it's like, you know, everything is abbreviated. So, we'll see how much it matters. But, uh, again, LSU loses to Georgia. And, and that's no, no shame in that. Georgia was a better team. They were the national champions for a reason. And then they get to that Purdue game. And, granted, a lot had changed at Purdue. But LSU all over Purdue, 63-7. to it's tough, man. It was. Uh, but, yeah, so good year for LSU. And you look up and say they won 10 games. They won the West. And there's still some people on the LSU side of things that are disappointed. But I thought it was a good first year. And, again, is Brian Kelly the guy? The only time will tell. But I think it's important to understand, too, that um, when you've coached at the level that he has, he understands the expectations of LSU, whether some of their fans think so or not. But uh, – they got smacked in the mouth this year in game one against Florida State. And, you know, that was LSU. It seemed like at halftime, it was kind of like the, our game with Arizona. As you look up at all these missed opportunities and you think we should be well ahead in this ball game, there should already be some separation. And there wasn't. And next thing you know, Florida State's running game takes over in that second half. Now, Mason Smith didn't play in the game. Played a little bit last week. He'll probably play pretty extensively against us. This guy's a future pro, you know. Working back from injury. I understand he's 100% now. He, had to, of course, had to be suspended for the game one for that silliness about the uh, the NIL thing, the autograph session that was like the rule changed like right afterwards. I mean, it, I don't know why. You can't use, use some grace here but in um, common sense. But the kid's out, uh, and now he's back. So, Last week, they beat Granwin 72-10, played for the first time ever. You, can't, you Listen, you can't tell anything from that game. LSU goes out and scores on their first 10 drives and then turns it over on downs on the 11th drive. You know, that's, you know, that's what you want. But uh, as uh, one of our posters posted yesterday, this is like apples and spaghetti. I mean, there's really not a lot of commonality between the programs by any stretch of the imagination. I'm glad that, that LSU wrote that check to Grambling. Because they certainly need it, right? And you got to write it to some FCS opponent. Why not do it for the betterment of your state? Kind of the Scott Strickland model. And last year, LSU played Southern. This year, they played Grand Wing State. It's a wonderful thing. I think they should always play the directional schools. I do. Uh, but, yeah, so let's look inside the numbers here a little bit here. And, uh, you know, Jay, to me, Jaden Daniels is the key to everything. And they have done some running back kind of back committee stuff. And a lot of that, too, is because Armani Goodwin has not been available. I understand he is back in practice and 100%. Uh, not sure if he's in game shape or not. I'm sure he'll play. I'm, I'm sure that's going to be a big part of it. But LSU wants to run football. They do. 
But Jaden Daniels, of course, gives them an element. And there were some times last year he was absolutely outstanding. There are other times you look at and say, you know what, I don't know how well this kid can read defenses. Because sometimes he'll get to the second read and he starts to panic. You know, if it's not exactly what he's looking for, he'll just go. But uh, Jaden Daniels, 40 of 61 so far this year. Six touchdowns, uh, one interception, averaging just over 300 yards a game. And, of course, those numbers are skewed because we have a very small sample size. And it was against Grambling, right? They played three quarterbacks this year, including Ricky Collins. Congratulations, Ricky. He's two for two for three yards with a long of two. But uh, pretty cool to be able to get out there and run around a little bit. Garrett Nussmeyer, of course, uh, a lot of people think he's a future pro. Had some good moments last year for LSU. On the rushing side of things, you know, Caleb Jackson is a guy that, um, you know, brings some real threat to all of this. But when you look at all this stuff and you kind of shake it up, you know, John Emery is back this week. Armani Goodwin is back this week. And so you're really kind of coaching through principles rather than personalities, right? You really don't know what they're going to do from a personnel standpoint. You just got to look at, you know, what they run offensively and just stick to the fundamentals of that. Because there have been a lot of players that have carried the football for OSU this year. I mean, you've already got, what, six players with double-digit carries, five, excuse me, five, including Jaden Daniels, who's had 20, the most attempts of any LSU rusher this year. You remember what happened at that ball game last year? The LSU offense could do absolutely nothing for two quarters, for the most, the better part of two quarters. They did nothing. And then with uh, two-minute drill comes up and Jaden Daniels just kind of takes over and wills them down the field. He had three carries, all of them netted double-digit yards and first downs. They've talked this year about trying to make him more of a true quarterback and give him an opportunity uh, to maybe get to the next level. But then you look up two games in, and even though he didn't play much of the second game, he has more rushing attempts than anybody on the team. Netted just 93 yards on 20 attempts, but he's averaging you're just under five yards a carry. Logan Diggs is the, quote, leading rusher, and he's only played one game. Yeah, that's, again, it's difficult to get a handle personnel-wise on what they want to do running the football. And then you add two more names into the mix this week. You just got to know your keys. Simple as that. But, it, again, Jaden Daniels is going to run the football. When times get tough, they're not going to say, Jaden, just stay in the pocket. No, they're not. All right, leading receiver right now for LSU is Brian Thomas, Jr., 13 grabs on the year for 220 yards, three touchdowns. He leads LSU in every statistical category uh, among wide receivers except for average catch, and that's because uh, Chris Hilton is a real speedster. And that's number 17, I'm telling you. At some point, they're going to try to get him in man coverage and blow the top off. Just be prepared for that. Chris got two, two catches, one of them for 47 yards, so he leads the team in average catch, yards per catch at 26 and a half, but again, a much smaller sample size. But Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors are kind of the primary receivers. Kyron Lace, he's a guy, obviously, that uh, you know, can make some plays for him too. But uh, there's some talent on this LSU team, especially wide receiver. And, you know, I hear them say there is this, you know, again, this confidence. They believe they're the best wide receiver group in the country. I don't, but I think they, they're a group that certainly has some potential. And we probably need to approach them in that respect. Uh, they're going to try to stretch the field. That's one thing that I think Daniels does a really good job of is throws the deep ball, especially in the middle of the field, whether it be the post, um, you know, or just simply getting the guy running down the hash. 
I think they have simplified his reads a little bit. But he has a big arm, and he likes to air it out. And when they dial it up from league neighbors or Brian Thomas, that's going to be a big part of things. You know, you've got some big play receivers there. And it's important to understand that. And, again, you look at last week's numbers, and you can just kind of throw all that away. But to underscore the fact here, you know, Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors, these are guys that a lot of schools wanted. You know, Malik Neighbors, of course, committed to Mississippi State until NAFL signing day. It's true. And that, again, goes back to the point we made earlier. You're not going to get a kid in South Louisiana that OSU wants. You're not. And that, and that kind of goes for Alabama sometimes, too. I mean, there's, there's been rare exceptions. But uh, the reality of it is, is LSU protects their home base about as well as anybody. Now, if you go read Meat Market, which is a book that's uh, loosely based on actual events, they'll make it seem like the you know, Ole Miss went in there and beat LSU regularly. They didn't get a single kid uh, in that book that LSU wanted. And that, that includes Reshaw Johnson and uh, the Green Kids or whatever. If LSU wanted those kids, they'd have had them. LSU didn't offer them. <laughs> Just reality of life. You kind of got to know what you're dealing with. Now, defensively, this group, there's been some – some question marks. Now, you know what to expect with this front. LSU linebackers are always athletic, you know. But, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers here, it's amazing that uh, the leading tacklers on this team are, are DBs. Isn't that interesting, right? Major Burns uh, and Zai Alexander both with 13 tackles on the year. The secondary can be had. Now, here's the question. You know, if you're Mississippi State – if you run what you ran last week against LSU, you're going to get beat. Now, this LSU secondary is a little bit leaky by their own admission. And Brian Kelly said in the uh, Monday press conference, a preview in this game, that, yeah, he's knew, known the secondary was going to have some, some growing pains. He's got a lot of talent, don't have a lot of experience. Now, can Mississippi State exploit that? I think State has the personnel to do that at wide receiver and quarterback. I do. The question to me is going to be, can you protect? Can you keep the LSU defensive front from collapsing the pocket routinely? Okay, they're going to get some sacks. You know, they are. But in the second half of that ball game last year, that LSU defensive front whipped the Mississippi State offensive line. You know, State had been in good positions. They'd had the lead after three quarters, 16 to 10. We muff a punt, and everybody remembers the muff punt, but there were a lot of missed opportunities for us to make plays offensively. And LSU just kind of said, hey, you know what, this is enough. We're done. Okay. You guys came in here and embarrassed us two years ago. Not going to happen again. So it'll be interesting to see what we can do to protect. You know, with the, with the tight end, you know, an extra blocker out there, maybe we can slow some things down. But, of course, it's one less guy on the pass pattern. But if you can protect, I think there are some plays to be made against this LSU secondary. And if you're expecting us to line up and run the football as much as we did last week, uh, you're probably going to be surprised. We'll see. Call it educated guess. Uh, but I like this LSU team. Uh, you know, Makai Wingo is a guy that uh, you know transferred in from Missouri and uh, wearing the, the uh, number 18 jersey, which is something that's very special to LSU. Um, and here's Mason Smith. You know, you know, that's – the guy's a stud. What can you say? But this is a team that has struggled to get pressure. Um, they have not, you know, not been able to really get to the quarterback much. So, you look at this and it kind of gives you a little bit of uh, 
you know, I guess a little bit of optimism. You know, Harold Perkins is the guy they've moved him around, and through two games he has six tackles, a couple quarterback hurries. They're going to move him back, you know, to a more natural position. But they're in a little bit of transition out there. I mean, again, there's just not a lot of guys you look at and say, okay, this, is, this guy's having a great year. And, again, it's so early in the year, you can't really evaluate that. But um, this is an LSU team with a lot of talent, but I think this is a team Mississippi State can beat if State doesn't give the football away. State's got to be able to make some plays down the field. Uh, Greg Brooks, Jr., former Mississippi State commitment, former Arkansas Razorback. There is talk they're going to put him in the nickel on Tulu Griffin. If that's the case and State can protect, let me go ahead and make this announcement right now. Tula Griffin's probably your SEC player of the week. They'll make some changes. But if they think they can go out there with Greg Brooks and slow down Tulu Griffin, it's going to be a long afternoon. Let's look at special teams here. It seems like LSU always has, always, always, always has an elite kicker. And, and maybe that's just, uh, you know, my estimation. But uh, they have kicked off 14 times this year. Nathan Debert has. Of those 14 kicks, only five of them have been touchbacks. Only five. So nine of the 14 have been returnable. And so you know what that means for Tula Griffin, right? Now, hopefully LSU's not kicking off a lot. But if they do, based on the current statistics, it would suggest that we should have the opportunity to return some kicks. We do expect Xavion Thomas to be back. I don't know that he's quite 100%, but obviously he played some last week. They were very careful with him, trying to get him back to full health. I think Xavion's going to be a guy that's going to come out there looking to play. Got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Waited and waited and waited for LSU to say come on. He never did. I know what this game means to him. If Tulu takes one to the house, it's going to be an interesting day. Uh, but that's your LSU preview, for sure. And, again, I, I like this LSU team. I think they're talented. Are they, are they elite? We don't know yet. you got to get some guys in the right positions. So, we'll see. You know. And, again, I think at some point you got you can't just keep running four or five running backs out there. I know a lot of it's because of been, there have been health and suspensions and things like that. But you've got to find some continuity somewhere. And, uh, again, I, I think I hope LSU has a great year, and I hope it all starts uh, next week. So, all right, time for today's top 10 less. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. That's my friend Blair Chandler. That's your friend, Blair Chandler. Our friend on the inside of the mortgage industry. Give him a call or text today directly at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Uh, Blair's telling me he's getting rave reviews from Boneyard listeners. That's right. It's been a great arrangement for all of us. I would not partner with people that I don't trust. I trust Blair. Many of you have trusted Blair, too, with your home mortgage needs and walked away very satisfied. Reach out to him. Let him know what's going on. Whether you're looking to refinance, maybe perhaps get some cash out, or just looking to get a home. You never know when life's going to happen to you. 
It's good to know you've got somebody with 22 years of experience in the mortgage industry that can help you navigate through the labyrinth that is underwriting. A guy that knows how to structure a loan that gives you the best chance to get to the closing table. That's why we use the website Close with Blair, right? Be sure and check them out. A proud sponsor of the top 10 list. And uh, I'll tell you this too, if you need a parking pass, we were going to do a trivia question, but I'm just going to do the first person that contacts me and you got to be a Mississippi State fan. If you need a parking pass for tomorrow's game for, L with the L game for LSU, hit me up on social media. The first person that does, the first message that I see, I'm just going gonna, gonna to connect you with Blair, and he's going to give you that parking pass. All right? So there you go. Top 10 list. Now, a while back, uh, I can't remember who did it. I don't know. But anyway, somebody reached out to all the SEC coaches and found out what their favorite artists were. So we're going to revisit some old lists and kind of put a new spin on them. Brian Kelly, LSU head coach Brian Kelly, said Bruce Springsteen. So we have done a Springsteen list before, but I'm going to do one that's kind of based on the number one hits in Bruce Springsteen's career and then kind of equate it a little bit to the game. Okay? Uh, number 10, Coach Kelly, is brilliant disguise because there are times that we're going to give you a too high safety look, but we're really not going to be in quarters or playing cover two. We're going to drop a safety down to cut off that crossing route. We're going to disguise coverages. It's one of the things that uh, Zach Arnett, Blount Brock do a good job of. We give you one look and pre-snap, and next thing you know, you're, you're trying to get through your pre-read and say, I've got a good handle of what they're going to do. And next thing you know, there's a defender that's somewhere you didn't expect him to be. You can ask Jaden Delora that, as Jed Johnson had a couple picks last week, one of those just because of the fact that we did a brilliant job disguising coverage. Number nine, Coach, we're going with the Badlands. Now, I don't know if you know much about us. We've got a lot of respect for people from South Louisiana. Feel a certain level of kinship with them. Similar value system in many respects. But up in these parts here, you run your mouth a little bit reckless, it could be a difficult day. So the Badlands of Starkville. That's right. Yeah. And I get it. It's a bit of a reach. But nevertheless, I wanted to get that song in. Number eight, even though the song is about baseball, you know, we have a shared uh, love for baseball between us and LSU. And uh, so we're going to go with the great glory days. I know we played at Duty Noble Field, I believe, and I suspect they played at Alex Box Stadium too. So because of our shared love of baseball, Coach, glory days makes it. But this is a football list. That's why it's not higher on the list. Number seven, we're going to dedicate this track to our own Woody Marks. It's a great track called uh, I'm on Fire. Even though the song doesn't necessarily have anything to do with football, uh, Woody Marks is now the uh, leading rusher in the Southeastern Conference. And, yes, I know it's been two weeks. We knew that he was going to benefit from a change in offensive philosophy. He has. We need him to have a big game against you guys. Love to be able to celebrate another offensive player of the week type honor. You know, it's been two weeks of SEC, of SEC football this year, and uh, we've had a player recognized. Each week, whether it be Woody or Tulu or Will, we'd like to have another one this week. But I'm on fire, number seven. Number six, you know, Coach, right across campus, right there um, on 182, uh, there's a little a garden area there. 
And so if you need to go there for like a pregame prayer or something like that, you can sneak into the secret garden right across the road from campus. That's your number six song, Secret Garden. And those of you that don't know, that song was really made famous by the great movie Jerry Maguire. It was huge. And I don't know that the song is is as big as it is if it's not in that movie. I mean, you know, you've seen the movie. What a great movie it was. It's a great love story. Kind of really introduced us to Renee Zellwanger. We knew Tom Cruise. But that's when it really blew up. It was a very emotional part of the movie, and the soundtrack of that was uh, the great song, Secret Garden. All right, your number five song is actually a song that Bruce Springsteen wrote and tried to farm out to somebody else. You know, he, he did that with Fire in the Pointer Sisters. Were you aware of that, that the great Pointer Sisters hit was written by Bruce Springsteen? Were you aware of that? Maybe you weren't. Yeah, Bruce has written a few songs for other artists that have been very successful. And he originally envisioned Donna Summer singing your number five song, and we're going to equate that, too, to the LSU secondary. It's Cover Me. You guys have had some challenges, and I don't know if you can cover us. You might be able to pressure us. You hadn't gotten a ton of pressure this year, but if we can protect, I think you're going to have a tough time covering us. So there you go, Coach. Number five, Cover Me. Number four. I just wanted to work this song in here because it gives us a chance to talk about Courtney Cox. Um, it's Dancing in the Dark, and certainly if we win this ball game, uh, we're going to celebrate all weekend at various water holes around the greater Starkville area, and uh, we'll probably dance all night. You know, it's not Tigerland, but the Cotton District is still pretty cool. So uh, we look forward uh, to hopefully celebrating the Bulldog victory come Saturday night. Uh, number three, there are a lot of people like in my generation that didn't realize that Bruce Springsteen wrote and sang this song, and it's one of the biggest hits of his career. And yet we're ready for more, Coach. We are. we got Zach Arnett, a guy that we really believe in, and despite some uh, opinions to the contrary, he is very much an alpha dog. We're going hungry hard here because the Bulldogs are ready for something else. We're ready for the next step. We had a good year last year, 9-4. and four. Felt like we should have won a game down there in Tiger Stadium. I know you were there. But uh, we're hungry for more at Mississippi State. We don't want to just be an Independence or Liberty Bowl mainstay. That's not what we're looking for. Yeah, we've been to 13 bowl games in a row, but yeah, we want to be a bigger factor in things. And we think we've got a coach that will get us there. Number two, anytime that you do a Bruce Springsteen list, I guess no matter the circumstances, you use the great track born in the USA. You know, we've got some great Americans here in the great state of Mississippi. And, uh, you know, we don't always uh, believe in the federal government, no matter who's in charge. Uh, and a little known fact too, Coach, and maybe you don't know this, legend has it and uh, that when this great state of Mississippi, after the uh, reformation of the Union, that uh, every Confederate state was supposed to put the, uh, the eagle back on the uh, Capitol as their state seal. We were the last to do it. That's right. We were the last to do it. We were reluctant returnees to the Union. And the order was given that you're supposed to put the, uh, the U.S. seal back up there with the eagle, and the eagle is supposed to uh, look reverently towards Washington. Well, I haven't done the research myself, Coach, but um, I understand that it's not the beak of the eagle that faces Washington, D.C. It's the butt of the eagle, as if we're telling Washington, D.C. to kiss our butt. It's PG-13 show. But that's the story. 
I can't vouch for the, the, uh, you know, the veracity of such claims, but I like to believe it's true. I do. But we're born in the USA. We are. Number one, though, and Coach, if you watched uh, our film from the first two weeks, you got to know it, man. Baby, we were born to run. Now, truth of the matter is, I want you to think that because I believe we're going to come out and be a little more aggressive in the passing game. But while you're listening to this, I want you to know that, uh, yeah, we were born to run. We're, that's all we're going to do. We're just going to line up, be one-dimensional. We're just going to run football. We're not going to throw it around. Matter of fact, you can probably just stack the line all game long. I, I would encourage you to do that, Coach. Absolutely. And definitely, 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 definitely put Greg Brooks on Tulu in the slot. Please. I don't ask for much, Brian. Can you please do that? Can you please put Brooks on Tulu in the slot? Please, please, please. But that's our top ten list in honor of Brian Kelly's uh, favorite artist, Bruce Springsteen. And uh, you know, I hope you had a little fun with that. Some of it's a little bit silly. But uh, listen, we're still celebrating music here. So on Fridays, that's what Roy and I have decided to do for every uh, – Every, uh, you know, team that we play, we're going to pick their coach's favorite artist. So to kind of give you a, a preview next week, you know, we got a couple things already lined up. Got one of my friends from South Carolina that's going to do a top 10 list for us. Uh, and it doesn't look like Dana will be back to do a top 10 list next week. We're going to be in San Diego much of the week. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe when we're out there, she'll do the Friday show. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, next week in South Carolina, Shane Beamer's favorite artist, of course, also from Columbia, South Carolina, Darius Rucker. So we'll have some Darius Rucker solo stuff mixed in with some Hootie and the Blowfish next Friday. That's what you can look for. And I've already got our, our, um, our Monday list um, pretty much lined up, our, uh, our buddy from South Carolina. So next week, pretty good. If you got an idea for Wednesday, let me know. Let me let... Um, yeah, we'll be flying Wednesday. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna record the Tuesday show. Excuse me, the Wednesday show Tuesday night while I'm in Knoxville before I get on a plane. So uh, that'll be up for you on Wednesday. So that's be prepared for that. So and we'll probably probably go ahead and record Monday show Sunday night. So that'll be up for you early too. So you should have the Monday show when you get up in the morning, and the Wednesday show. And then I'll let you know about Friday, again, because I'm going to be in San Diego. So I don't know. Don't know. Maybe I record that Thursday night. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out. I will let you know. But we will give you a uh, Friday show. But uh, just to kind of give you a programming note about all that stuff. But, again, thanks, as always, to CloseWithBlair.com. Uh, all right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. I'm sure you do too. Great great selection at a great price. Campus Bookmart, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. You can swing into your game day shopping and then head to your tailgate, head into the stadium, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, very easy to get to. Not a big problem at all. Uh, I, I love going in there because there's always something new, right? Kathy Brown does a great job. Outfitting you and your family, your office, your pet, your RV, whatever you need. She can find something with that M over S. She can find the interlocking MSU, whether it be shot glasses or T-shirts or whatever, caps. If you're looking for Mississippi State merch, look no further than Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Bond Yard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is 
BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks, and the order less than 75 absolutely incomplete. All right, let's jump into the weekend preview. All right, I'm going to save our game for last. Kansas State is at Missouri. I like Kansas State. This should be a very easy victory for them. You know, Missouri, of course, last year at times at home defensively kind of stood up and bowed up and gave Georgia some trouble, among others. Arkansas. I just think Kansas State, from personnel standpoint, is just going to be able to score. Now, Missouri may be able to score a little bit too, but offensively they have not set the woods on fire the first two weeks. Kansas State, very physical brand of football. I just don't know how Missouri matches up here. I'm going to take Kansas State over Missouri. That's probably not a big shock. The next one's not a big shock either. Uh, South Carolina, next week's Bulldog opponent, will visit Athens, Georgia. That is a 2.30 kick. Mississippi State time. You got to like Georgia here, and I think Georgia big. And I think I think if you're South Carolina, you better manage your personnel well. And of course, if you're Mississippi State, you guys really don't want this to be some blowout at the half. You know, you want the game to somewhat be in reach at halftime because I want those South Carolina starters to play until the final snap. It's true. But, yeah, I think Georgia wins this game and, and probably takes a pretty big physical toll on that South Carolina roster. You know, we're playing LSU, a very physical team, too. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Georgia's a team, obviously, that uh, will win this game, especially being at home. And especially, you know, South Carolina, I thought they were a little bit ahead of schedule. Again, I think Spencer Rattler will take them as far as he can this year. But um, there's not a lot around him. Alabama's at South Florida and what we should expect to be a very angry, angry Alabama team. We touched on it in the preseason, man. Alabama's got quarterback issues. And you felt like, hey, well, Steve, you know, they got four- and five-star quarterbacks, you know, just stacked in that quarterback room. I don't know if we don't see a change, like, in, over the course of the next couple of weeks. I, I don't. I mean, if you, if you watch that Alabama-Texas game, and I went back and watched it on the, on the DVR – there is not a lot of continuity on the Alabama offense. And it all starts with Milrow. Does Ty Simpson become the guy? I don't know. They shouldn't have any problems this week against South Florida. Shouldn't. If they do, you'll probably see a new quarterback under center next week. Louisiana Monroe is at A&M. An A&M team is probably already feeling a little pressure. They went down to Miami and they got smacked. They were favored in the game. They were a road favorite. They were ranked. Everybody's like, okay, yeah, Texas A&M is finally going to figure it out. And you got smacked in the face. So you get exactly what you need this week, a Louisiana directional school. If they struggle this week, oh, my goodness. A&M's going to win this game. They will. And they should win and handle it. They should be able to just out-athlete Louisiana Monroe. But, you know, stranger things have happened. That's Nick Saban. All right, Tennessee is at Florida. Huge game. Huge. And probably bigger for Florida than for Tennessee. Can Tennessee work their way into the playoff? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You know, let's say Tennessee goes 11-1 and this year and the long loss is to Georgia, the two-time defending national champion. You can't keep them out. But if you're Florida and you're Billy Napier, you don't get a ton of home games in the league, right? You get four. 
you can't afford to lose this game. I think they're going to. I do think it'll be an entertaining game. It is a primetime game, so we'll have a chance to get home and watch it. You know, we'll, we'll get done with all our postgame stuff and we have a chance to watch Tennessee-Florida. Uh, I like Tennessee to win this game. I do think it's going to be a competitive game, though. I don't think this Tennessee offensive line is very good. And I think Florida will have a chance to make some plays. I mean, even though Florida has not been great defensively, they've, they've recruited well. you got some dudes on the front. And so, yeah, I do think Florida can get to Milton. Milton is not Hendon Hooker. He's not. I know some people kind of build him. Oh, they're going to be just fine. Hendon Hooker was a very special player. Very, very special player. Milton is not at that level. He is very skilled. And they're going to win a lot of football games this year, uh, including this one. But if Joe Milton ever has a bad game, Tennessee's going to have a really bad game. There's just not a lot uh, that you look at as far as running-wise. They can just, hey, if Milton's just not seeing the field well, we'll just hand it off. With that offensive line, it's going to be difficult. And uh, I know Tennessee has two of the top five rushers in the conference right now, but a lot of that is kind of uh, really about who they've played. If they run it well against Florida, I might be willing to get on board with that. But I think that offensive line still got some things to figure out. Samford is at Auburn. Remember last year when we went and played LSU? I'm sure you do. Do you remember who we played the week before? I'm sure you do. It was Arizona. We had to go out there and play all the way across the country. You remember we had all this trouble getting back, and it felt like we were in a hangover all week long. Even though we got out to a 13-0 lead at LSU, it felt like we were sleepwalking during the game. And I had some of our coaches tell me at halftime down in Tiger Stadium, they're trying to get everybody going again. You know, it had been a long week. Had to change our schedule and to get guys out of a routine. Well, Auburn's kind of may have to deal with that this year, except for the fact they're playing Sanford and they're at home. Auburn's going to win this game, and Auburn's going to win this thing going away. But don't be surprised if you look up late in the first half and this is a ball game. And, of course, second half, you know, freezing those guys will make some adjustments and, and kind of get things figured out. But don't be the least bit surprised if Auburn is caught maybe sleepwalking the first half of this ballgame. I, I kind of question the wisdom of um, this whole thing about us from the east flying west to go play a football game on a regular schedule, right? Honest to goodness. And, and you, you can see it. Look at the numbers, Right. When we have to go out there and play on the West Coast, you're asking a lot. You're jumping a couple time zones. I, don't, I can't explain it. And maybe it's a biorhythm thing. But the reality of it is that any time that you got to travel West extensively could be an issue. So will Auburn have a hangover? I suspect they will, but I think they win this game without much trepidation in the second half. So, speaking of going west, you know, Vanderbilt has been to Hawaii. I don't know how many um, how many days they were allotted for that trip. They're going to UNLV. Now, you look at UNLV and you think, you know what, Vandy got to win this game. And I picked Vandy to win this game. I can't remember what the spread is. But don't, for any second, think this is a uh, <laughs> going to be a sure thing. And I know that a lot of Vanderbilt people are thinking, you know what, we just got to find a way to get to six. I don't know how it's going to happen. But you got to get this one. You got to keep the dream alive. All right, Georgia Tech is at Ole Miss. Now, this Georgia Tech team is better than the one Ole Miss beat last year. It, it's just not going to make any difference, though. I, well, I th I'm expecting a more competitive game. You know, I, I don't think this is a scenario where Georgia Tech can go in there and pull the upset. Now, of course, you've got this distraction that's popped up here. 
maybe you've seen it, maybe you have it, that uh, you know, Ole Miss is now being sued in federal court uh, because of this uh, defensive lineman, uh, you know, the Rollins kid, that um, it's not a good look. And I, I think, again, as a Mississippi State guy, you know, like we always say, the only thing that compares to good news in, Star- in Starkville is bad news in Oxford. Uh, I think it's important to let it play out. now. But I'll tell you, on first blush, it's not the pleadings that, uh, you know, kind of get you, you know, give you that cringe factor. It's the conversation between Kiffin and the player himself. That's the thing you look at. It's like, and again, I've read the lawsuit. They talk about, you know, there were – the player took a mental health break, and I don't know how they have it structured up there. I know a lot of people think, oh, it's just so far into me. Uh, it's a new day and time, and people are being very sensitive to mental health, as they should be, right? Uh, but, but be that as it may, according to the pleadings, and according to the lawsuit, the filing itself, they, uh, they argue that uh, there were some female athletes on the softball team and the volleyball team that were allowed to take uh, a mental health break, and then return to the team in good standing. They're arguing that wasn't the case uh, for Rollins. They're arguing that he was uh, you know, similarly situated and treated differently. And so there's allegations, of course, that there's another football player that left and was allowed to return without consequence. So to, hear, to read the lawsuit, you know, there's allegations of negligence, uh, sexism, racism. I mean, so this lawsuit kind of has it all. But we don't know what the truth is. The only thing that we do know and that we can kind of accept on a factual basis uh, is apparently there was a recording where Lane Kiffin said some very derogatory things to the kid. He also said, I'm not dismissing your uh, your mental health concerns, but um, you're also a part of the female anatomy. And, um, you know, you're hiding behind things. So get out. Now, they, Ole Miss response to ESPN says that um, he's not dismissing the team and um, still on the roster or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there's, again, <clears throat> there's his side, their side, and then there's a the truth. And so, again, you got to understand every one of these lawsuits that are filed, they're all very self-serving and, and designed to make the defendant look as bad as possible. That's not germane to this case. Uh, but you got to wonder, you know, it, with, now that this is public and now you've got people out here talking about this, uh, is that a distraction for Ole Miss? It's not a good look. I don't care who you are or where you're from. That's not a good look to have your head coach caught on audio uh, after a young man reportedly uh, went through the procedure and notified uh, both his position coach and the strength coach, if I remember correctly, that he needed a break. And uh, he had been injured. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. You want, you want to know my, my opinion. I'll give you my opinion here. Uh, I think he got hurt. They wanted to process him and put him in the portal. And he didn't want to go. That's what I think. And, of course, you know, they eventually, if if what's reported is true, not only did they take him off the defensive line, they flipped him over to the offensive line and demoted him to scout team. As you know, trying to make him miserable. He gets injured. And that was one of the things, too, that uh, Kiffin reportedly said is, I wonder if you're basically to the gist of, I wonder if your mental health problems would clear up if we let you change back to your original position. I don't know, Coach, probably. You know, he didn't say that, but that's kind of my thinking too. But you never know what a young person is dealing with. And so it is a bad look. And, again, we haven't heard old Mrs. response to this or read that. And so I know that there's a lot of Mississippi State fans, uh, you know, taking a lot of glee in this situation. And it does appear that maybe it could have been handled better. 
you know, um, again, but it's a new day and time. But I just wonder more about, you know, what's this going to mean for recruiting, right? You don't think every kid that Ole Miss is recruiting hadn't seen that? You don't think there are people out there that are taking copies of that? And I don't mean fans. I mean opposing coaches. You don't think opposing coaches that are competing with Ole Miss are taking that transcript of him calling that kid that name? You know, it's called B and you know what? You know, um, no matter how well intended that may have been, that's something that you're going to have to explain on every in-home visit going forward. That's just kind of how it is. That's how life works. And it's, not, it's one thing if it's an allegation. It's another thing if they actually have an audio recording. And I, and I suspect at some point that audio recording will see the light of day. Um, you know, so we'll see. I don't know that it matters this week. I think Ole Miss is, uh, is good enough, strong enough, and got enough talent. And Georgia Tech, of course, with a brand-new system. I just don't know if you're ready to go on the road in the SEC and come home with a victory. Won't be surprised if it's a competitive ball game, but I do like Ole Miss to win this game and cover. BYU's at Arkansas. This is going to be – this is a sneaky good game, guys. You know, this BYU-Arkansas thing in recent years, you know, BYU's got some dudes now. Uh, you're not playing up there, obviously, but uh, Arkansas, you know, what? what's the status with Rocket? You know, that's the thing I think about. Even if he plays – you know, how effective can he be? I love Rocket's game. I, I do. I know you guys do as well, especially when he's not playing against us. Uh, but that guy's a very talented player. And so that's the thing that I wonder is, like, even if he plays this week against a very physical BYU team, even when they don't win a lot, they're very physical. It's just, that's just kind of how it is. And if you don't have Rocket, you know, it's a different deal. And, of course, you know, last year – Arkansas goes up there and wins that ball game, fifty-two to thirty-five. But uh, you know, now you got the return game, and you got a new offensive scheme, and you've got you know one of your star players has been nicked up. So I, I don't know. I haven't checked. I haven't seen what Sam Pittman said later in the week. But based on how Arkansas has played offense the first two weeks, if you're Arkansas, you're probably thinking, you know what? we got to pick it up. This BYU team's going to come in here, and I don't know how they can score either, but, um, you know, Arkansas struggled a little bit early in that Western Carolina game. And then, you know, you win last week 28-6. to You won the game. You could probably win being vanilla. Can you do it this week? And, of course, you got the big game next week at Tiger Stadium. And for the last two years, that has been like, you know, nails on a chalkboard. That has been – those games have been excruciatingly painful. You talk about grounded out games. Arkansas's got to win this one. They do. And I think they will. But I won't be the least bit surprised if this ball game is, uh, goes down to the fourth quarter. Akron's at Kentucky. You know, God bless you, Joe Moorhead. If, if, you could, if you could win this game, if you could win this game, I'd probably buy you a pack of baseball cards or something. Joe's a big collector. I, Joe, I, I, I would find a way to uh, reward you in some way. I do think Akron covers because I think this Kentucky offense is, is really herky-jerky. And there's a lot of that in the league this year. You know, there hadn't been a lot of just, you know, offensive performances. You look back and just go like, wow, you know, true. You know, Ole Miss put up a bunch of points, uh, you know, week one, you know, against Mercer. Still throwing the football in the fourth quarter, so it almost has an asterisk next to it. But there just hasn't been a lot of precision offensively in the Southeastern Conference so far this year. And, yes, it's early. 
But Kentucky, man, that is that offense is something else, man. It's rough. It's rough. It's rough like gas station toilet paper rough. It's tough. But Kentucky wins the game, and I hope the Zips can do anything at all uh, to make this competitive. Uh, but it's, you know, this Kentucky non-conference schedule is an absolute joke. So here are your winners. And we'll get to LSU-Mississippi State. Kansas State, Georgia, Alabama, A&M, Tennessee, Auburn, Vandy, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Kentucky. I thought long and hard about this Mississippi State-LSU game. Now, when the schedule first came out, like many of you, I said, okay, that's a loss. It is. And it's just, and I hate to feel that way. And over the course of this week, I've tried to talk myself into believing Mississippi State's going to win this ballgame. Uh, the truth of the matter is, I don't expect us to win. I do think it's going to be a competitive game. I do think we cover the spread for whatever that's worth. Uh, can we win it? We absolutely can. We absolutely can. Now, if we go out and play conservatively, we're going to lose the ballgame. We, you don't beat a bully with a counterpunch. You got to come out and you got to just throw haymakers. We can't go out there and play scared and say, okay, let's just kind of ease on into the pool here. We got to go running wide open and just cannonball right into the game. That's what we got to do. Now, I get it. You got to manage the game. I understand that. And you always go out and script plays and kind of see how they're going to attack and you, you adjust your play calling as a result of that. But listen, this is an LSU team that is more talented than us. And, and I read the comment. I tweeted the comment. You know, Emory Jones says, you know, they don't, they don't have a lot of star players. Or they don't have star players. And some LSU people got salty. Well, he said it. Well, you're taking it out of context. He said it. And I quoted him exactly in the, the context of the article. And basically what he's suggesting is that, you know, they don't have a lot of talent, so they have to get by on scheme. And you probably shouldn't say that either. It's bulletin board material. And last time I looked, that tweet had almost 80,000 views. So it's out there. It is. And if you're upset about what a player says, then you need to talk to your coaching staff or your media relations department tell them not to say those kind of things in the future. Is that going to have an impact on the game? Absolutely not. Was it a dumb thing to say? It absolutely was. And if you don't think every Mississippi State coach and football player has seen that, you're kidding yourself. And if you're on the Mississippi State side of things, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. All that said, I like LSU to win the game. And, um, and I hate to be that way. I'm just trying to call it as I see it. There are two games beginning of the year. I thought, you know what, we're probably going to lose both. And neither of those teams look through two weeks how we expect them to look. Like you, I said Alabama and LSU, that's probably a loss. But if you saw LSU against Florida State, you think, you know what, maybe we got a chance. The first half LSU team that had trouble finishing drives, that team's going to beat Mississippi State. That second half LSU team that showed no heart, that didn't want to tackle, that pouted, that team will get run out of Davis Wade Stadium. So it's going to be about who shows up. And, yes, of course, you look at the the 11 a.m. factor. State has played a lot more 11 a.m. games than, than LSU has. And there's some continuity on our staff, obviously. They understand, okay, this is how we've done it for three years. This is what we do. This is our schedule for 11 a.m. And Brian Kelly, even as late as Monday, said, hey, you know, we're kind of looking at some things, you know, uh, as far as our travel routine for 11 a.m. games. Uh, LSU is a team in recent – this last year, they slap walk through those games. 
if they show up here sleepwalking, we're going to win the game. I also think there's probably a little bit of panic in LSU a little bit and thinking, you know what, hey, we got to find a way to go win this game if we want to get to the playoff. And I don't think that they're a playoff team. I think now that we've gotten into season, there's not a lot of LSU people that would, would probably make that argument too. But there's not a lot. We don't really know who this LSU team is yet. They could show up here breathing fire and beat us 52 to nothing. I don't expect that. But this is a team that's got some playmakers. But we do too. You know, and, and one of the things that I read that I don't agree with, some people are saying, hey, we need LSU to play bad in order for us to win this game. Well, number one, LSU played bad for three quarters last year, and we lost because our defense got absolutely exhausted for being on the field. We couldn't maintain anything offensively in that third quarter, and we wore down. And if it becomes a war of attrition and a battle of depth, LSU's going to win. But all that said, I don't think the talent gap this year is what it was last year. And we get them in our place at a time that's inconvenient for them to play. So you got a shot. I'm expecting a very competitive game. I think it, I think it goes down to one score. I think it'll be a game all the way to the final play of the game. And you know what? If State can make a play or two, State's certainly capable of winning this ballgame. I will not be the least bit surprised if Mississippi State beats LSU. I'm just not expecting it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think that, uh, you know, that LSU is, uh, you know, the class of the West. And I think even the most objective LSU fan will tell you, we got some problems. I've talked to them all week, and they'll tell you, man, I'm worried about our secondary. I'm worried about our pass rush. Uh, I'm worried about the fact that uh, there doesn't appear to be a lot of cohesion offensively within the running game. Offensive line got pushed around against Florida State. But, again, it's a small sample size. And, and everybody improves over the course of the season. I've heard some people say recently that, oh, no, you kind of are who you are. No, no, people get better. You know, coaches kind of figure out who they can trust, and they uh, will move guys around and put them in the best positions to play. But uh, the bottom line is Mississippi State fans, you need to be at Davis Wade Stadium tomorrow. We need you there. The Bulldogs need you there. Again, it's, we're expected a sellout, but we need you there with cowbells in hand. There will be a lot of LSU fans there. Be prepared. And some of them are probably going to sit in your faculty seats, which is going to make you mad. And we'll, you know, we'll complain about that again until something's done about it. Uh, but the reality behind every bit of this is that this is going to be or should be a very competitive game. I just think in the end, LSU will win. I just don't expect them to cover. I think it's a one-score game uh, in the end. And I hope we can find a way to win because it would change so much about the perception of this program and a coach Zach Arnett. I just don't know if we're quite ready for this. All right, final segment of the show. We're going to talk a little baseball here. We'll have a baseball scrimmage today, and, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, some things we need want to talk about about this new uh, schedule. Uh, before we do, though, you know, I told you guys we had a new sponsor and uh, got some more information for you guys about this land auction. You know, how, how cool would it be to be a neighbor of Mississippi State? That's how close you could be to campus. Guys, 156-plus acre development, and uh, they've actually broken it up like into five tracks now. So it's not going to be a situation where you got to go out there and buy more land uh, than you need. But going to be a showing this Sunday from 10 to 2, and that's going to be at 2 Sterling Drive. You can put that in your GPS, and then up from there you can uh, get all the information you need. One of the cool things about this place, guys, you can hear – the Chapel of Memories bell tolling. You'll be five minutes from Duty Noble and Davis Wade Stadium. 
How cool is that? You can tailgate at the house. Have the big barbecue. Now have to bring all your stuff. And here's another cool thing, too. Guys, sewer water power already in place. So it's not like you're going out there and just getting some undeveloped land. I mean, the infrastructure is there for you uh, right away. That's an important part of this. And, uh, again, they've already named some of these parcels the Cypress Lake Parcel. Uh, you know, it's a 20-acre parcel, and it's got an 8-acre lake on it. And I've seen this lake. It's unlike anything else around here. And it's uh, 1,300 linear feet of water frontage for residential development. Pretty cool there. The Sandy Creek Parcel, that's going to be an 85-acre parcel. Also very scenic. Got two large lakes on this thing. And again, water, sewer already in place. Large concrete slab with some utilities and already some fencing along the creek. Got the Highway 82 parcel. And uh, this is 2,800 feet of uh, Highway 82 frontage. So, like, if you're looking for something there, maybe some commercial development, you can do that. There's the center parcel. That's an 18-acre parcel. And so, if, if you're going to, like, hey, I just want to, like, live in the sticks and have a lot of land around me. This may be the spot for you. And, of course, there's the 10-acre parcel uh, that lies right there at the entrance to the Highlands development. And so if you're looking for perhaps you know, some multifamily-type development, that's a good op option for you. And so it's so cool to think about you being a part of the development of Starkville, but also making Starkville your home. How cool would that be? be incredible. And, again, 25,000 bidder deposit for the entirety of it, or 10,000 per track. International Auction is going to handle that. That's internationalauctionllc.com. The phone number is 888-861-0999. Pretty impressive place, man. I, I was out there, and if I didn't live here, I would want to live here. A lot of room to move around out there. And again, think about it. You can have some residential property. There's no zoning. It's in the county. And you can be a neighbor of Mississippi State and be that close to campus. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And so that auction is going to take place um, October the 12th. But again, you can go ahead and start doing your due diligence now. Uh, they're going to have game, game weekend showings three weekends, the 17th, the 1st, and the 8th. But uh, I, would, uh, I would not wait. So if you're in town this weekend and you're interested, so you know I want to go out there and just kind of look around and get some more information you can do that, and you can show up right up there at 2 Sterling Drive between 10 and 2 and uh, get more information. Uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. And, again, if I was moving to Starkville and I wanted to have a little privacy but also to have the convenience to campus, this is absolutely the way to go. All right, so let's talk a little baseball here. We've got a baseball scrimmage today at 2.30. That's one of the reasons I'm doing the show early. i gotta, I got some honeydew stuff i got to do, man, before I get out of here. Uh, and head over to baseball. Already charged up the camera. You know, uh, Mike Nemeth will have a game story for you this evening. And uh, we'll, we'll track it all weekend. And we'll also be at the, uh, at the Sunday scrimmage. But uh, let's look at this SEC schedule. Of course, the, uh, the rest of the schedule, you know, we're waiting on some contracts to come back. And it may be, it's usually, you know, late November, middle November, uh, before we announce the full schedule. And so a lot of that, you're kind of working through some negotiations. But um, let's go through this SEC schedule. And it's no joke. And it's like every time it comes out, everybody's like, oh, my gosh. You know, last year we had it. We actually had a pretty good schedule. We just didn't take advantage. But we play in a Southeastern Conference. It's going to be rough every year. There are no easy schedules in this league. Because as we know, on any given weekend, you can drop a ball game. 
All right, so we're going to open up conference play at home against the defending NAFL champion LSU Tigers. I like getting those guys early, to be honest with you. Uh, they've got to figure out some things pitching-wise, so I have a month to do that. There, of course, there's no Paul Skeens, and they lost a ton of pitching. They also signed a ton of pitching, so we'll see how things kind of develop. And, again, I don't know how much you'll learn in non-conference, but uh, I like getting LSU early. I do. And, again, that's a team that's kind of in transition. We expect Tigers to be really good this year. Uh, but that's your opening series. So make plans to attend. That's March 15th through the 17th. The next weekend, we're going to be on the road at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, obviously, got a couple of good outfielders out there. But they're a team, too, that's lost a lot. And they've tried to kind of replenish with the portal. They've had some success there. But, uh, you know, got a couple of big sticks in that lineup. Uh, Texas A&M, uh, Bluebell Park, is, is maybe – one of the more antiquated parks in the conference, and I know some A&M people hate to hear that. We'll get out and travel, and you'll understand the park is behind the rest of the West. But it's a great opportunity for us. That's the thing you start thinking. If you could find a way to take LSU and get a big road series at A&M, and I think they're certainly capable of doing that, um, that'd be big. You know, but uh, it's not going to be easy for us those first three weekends. And then that next weekend, we head to Florida. Now, Florida – Loses a lot. They had a lot of guys returned last year trying to make a run at this thing. Uh, and they did. Very impressive year. And I thought that they were, you know, they were, they were my pick at the end to win this thing. And they didn't. And, again, it's a team I'm kind of glad we're getting early. I like going to Gainesville. Uh, it was a good weekend when we were there, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, Jake Mangum, of course, uh, we had the big solo home run to open up the ball game. We should have swept. We didn't. But anytime you got to go on the road and play in the SEC, it's going to be a chore. And, uh, of course, it's a new ballpark. I'm eager to, to kind of get in there and see the amenities of that. We get Georgia to come in here, which means uh, Slate Offert will be here. That's going to be uh, April 5th through the 7th. That's a series Mississippi State's got to get. you got to get that one. Uh, Georgia, again, went in the portal, tried to kind of rebuild their roster. Wes Johnson is there. Kate Hoggard, of course, left Kentucky to go to Georgia. Uh, so we'll see how things progress. But that's one you look at and say, you, you, you got to get it. We're going to be at, at Ole Miss the next weekend. We've had a lot of success in Oxford in recent years. It's interesting, you know, like most of the sweeps have come in Oxford. This is an Ole Miss team, too, that hit the portal really hard. And this is a team that the expectations for this team are not very good. This is one, this is a road series you have to get. You got to get it. You know, two years ago, we went up there and we got that series. Brad Cumbus, of course, with the big home run late. You remember we had that game essentially won, and then Pico gives up that shot to uh, to Jacob Gonzalez. We go to extra innings, and then Compass with the big uh, hammer fist shot to left, and uh, we win the series. Auburn, I'm interested to see what Auburn looks like this year. Uh, Ike Irish, of course, is a really good player there. Is he a star? I don't know. Is he a very solid contributor? You better believe it. They'll have jo they'll have Joseph Gonzalez back. Uh, did not play last year, and he is a guy that they're very high on. There's some Major League Baseball scouts who like him. He's got a Major League Baseball physique, and there are times that he's pitched really well. This hadn't always been against Mississippi State. You know, he's had some good outings. He's had some forgettable outings. But um, this is a young man that I had, I had a chance to meet last year. Uh, very incredible um, – encounter I just go to get some chicken wings before I watch a ball game 
And uh, there's him and his family. And he wasn't even playing. And everybody in his family turns up and comes to the game to support him. And so it's easy to root for a guy like that. But, uh, you know, Auburn had some pretty big losses. They do have some players back. But uh, it's going to be a different year for them. And the fact that we get them here I think is big. We should have won the series last year, as you guys know. If we'd had any bullpen pitching whatsoever down the stretch, we win the series. So I like getting them here. The next week we go to Vanderbilt. Last time we went up there, we won an AFL championship. Uh, they came in here last year and absolutely destroyed us, absolutely embarrassed us. Uh, only one of those games was competitive. Now, this is a Vanderbilt team, too, that you look back last year and you think, you know what, I didn't get the Vandy hype. And in the end of the year, they didn't meet the Vandy hype. So it'll be interesting to see what the expectations are for this team. So it's always a difficult undertaking going up there and playing. But I think that ballpark actually kind of lends itself to this Mississippi State lineup. I think if we can go out there and put the ball in play, got a chance, right? And again, we don't know what we're going to look like come the end of April. All right, Alabama comes to Mississippi State May 3rd through the 5th. And State has won basically every series for the last several years throughout uh, Coach Bo's tenure, and of course, it's a, it's a new regime there in Tuscaloosa. And they were a veteran team last year, had a ton of seniors. You know, Jim Jarvis, that guy, those guys have been there forever. Well, they're gone now. Uh, so it's going to be a roster and somewhat of a transition, a series we have to have. And one of the reasons there's so much importance on that one is the next weekend we go to Arkansas, which has been a house of horrors for us in recent years. It was a time, remember, when we would sweep them, they would sweep us, and everybody would laugh. Arkansas has really had the better of Mississippi State in recent years, and uh, that's got to reverse itself. Last time we went up there uh, in 2022, we managed to get one. We got the Sunday game, and we were so happy to have it that we just couldn't wait to get on the bus and get home. We finish up the year with Missouri. We've been in this position before, too, where you have Missouri. Of course, uh, Carrick Jackson's there now, and you may recall he came to uh, Mississippi State uh, and coached, uh, you know, Southern team that uh, really, really got it better as the year went on and uh, gave us some trouble, you know. Uh, so I don't know what to expect, but I know this. I know the last two times that we played Missouri, they've won the series. They beat us here in 2021, and they beat us there in 2022. And, uh, of course, we had the one game up there where the wind's blowing out. We have a chance uh, to uh, turn things around. You know, we got KC on the mound, and we're thinking, okay, you know, Cade Smith gives us a good outing. We stick with him a little bit too long. If we win the Sunday game, we're good, right? Because we, we won the Friday game and got shelled on Saturday and had a chance to win on Sunday, and we give up a walk-off home run and uh, lose the series. So, yeah, you look at it and say, yeah, it's tough. But I, I think all of the home series, with the exception of LSU, you look at it and say, you know what, State should take those. The LSU series is always a wild one. We took two out of three from LSU last year, and they won an AFL championship, though. You know, so I think there's some belief with our kids. And I think with our lineup, I think sometimes we look through all of this through the lens of, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like you look at the last two years and you, you kind of forget the fact that, you know, we do have Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan. So we may have the best, you know, duo, you know, back to back in the conference. You know, A&M might be able to make that claim. You know, of course, LSU is going to have Tommy White. They'll have somebody good hitting in front of them, you know. Uh, but Dakota Jordan, Hunter Hines together, there should be a lot of big flies hidden there. And uh, Logan Kohler is a guy that uh, kind of stood out last week. I thought, you know, really compact, quick-to-the-ball type swing. 
but uh, it's going to be one of those years where we're going to have to bring our best effort, and not just because of the fact that uh, we've lost the last two years. I mean, everybody knows what's at stake this year. Everybody understands that, and as they should. And so we'll get out there today. And again, I thought last weekend was successful. I thought we booted the ball around a little bit on Friday, played much better on Sunday, and, uh, you know, that was a 4 nothing ball game. It was a little more of an offensive game on Friday. So I'm eager to see what we get today. And, uh, of course, again, we'll have full coverage over at Gene's page. Uh, it's important to us because it's important to you. And we cover all these scrimmages. And uh, probably won't make the Louisiana Tech when I will be um, – I'll be with the wife at a race – you know, she puts up a lot for me. So when I get a, when I get a chance to go cheer for her, I do that. She's my favorite athlete. Uh, so I won't be able to go to Louisiana Tech. Uh, I don't think Mike's going either. So we may just have to depend on the university to uh, to provide, you know, some uh, you know insight in that scrimmage, and we'll see how things go. Many of you will go, and uh, we'll appreciate that. Uh, but everything else on campus, we'll get to, and uh, you know, UAB's coming in uh, later this fall so we'll have coverage of that but i think the only thing that we won't have will be tech unless something right uh we ask a lot of our employees for sure for sure um we, you know we we have a standard to meet you know we do take a lot of pride in this uh, but i am i'm eager to get out back to dirty noble today and uh just kind of see how things are going to shake loose we haven't seen you know some big arms yet you know we haven't seen carson ligan we haven't seen cal steven um we need to see those guys you know and um haven't seen Sierra yet. You know, we've seen a lot of the newcomers, and uh, that's very, very encouraging. You got guys out there throwing strikes. You got guys out there competing. Uh, we've had a couple home runs. You know, Steven Spalletta had one. And uh, I, I continue to have people tell me that, that that was a surprisingly good get for Mississippi State late. And, and Dakota Jordan, of course, uh, hit a tank, and you expect him. You know, Dakota should be – you know, him and Hunter Hines both should chase 20 this year. I think everybody's like, you know, that's well, Steven should go without saying. You know, well, you know, Dakota's a guy that has progressively gotten better. You remember that's the thing; it's so crazy. You think about, you know, he was your uh, starting center fielder last year. You end up moving him around a little bit, but uh, you know, defensively with his arm, he can be a big eraser out there with his speed. Uh, that's a big part of things too. But uh, he is a guy that's got a first-round grade on him, and we need him to play like a first-rounder. You know, Hunter is not the defensive player that Dakota is, but that's a guy we expect to go you know, probably on day two of the draft. And so we need those guys to perform up to expectations. But they're only going to carry us so far. And you know, the best teams in the country every single year are guys that can find a third starter, which has been very difficult for us the last two years, and guys can get production in the bottom third of the order. There were some games we did, and there were some games we didn't. You know, but I think most people would agree, you know, our central issues have kind of been around defense and pitching, and those go hand in hand. Now, you go out there and you finally roll up a ground ball and you got, you know, your third baseman boots it or throws it into the stands, and you got a guy that's a little bit shaky pitch and have to go back out there and get another out. I mean, so we didn't really work with a lot of cohesion last year defensively uh, and pitching-wise. And, uh, of course, we've addressed that. You know, the two guys that were – largely responsible for your errors last year, you know, Lane Forsythe and, and Slade Offer are gone. And we wish them the best, right? But we got to do You go out and you get Kohler, a veteran guy, to come in probably back as he goes undrafted. And so it's a good problem to have. You got more good players than you have starting opportunities. And, you know, of course, you know, Cup came in expecting to be the guy. And I'll tell you this, defensively watching him play, he is the guy. 
but again, you know, you got to be patient with the bat. I thought he got some good swings off last week, so we'll see how things develop. But uh, right now, we're going to get this show up, and um, you know, we'll go grab. I got some again, some honeydew stuff I got to do before she gets home today, and then we'll go grab something to eat. We'll head to Duty Noble Field, and uh, so full coverage of everything all weekend. Uh, only at jeanspage.com. Nobody's going to cover it quite like we are. But we're excited about the ball game with OSU. And, again, I hate to be some Debbie Downer and not pick us, but I, I'm not the homer some people suggest that I am. They like to say that. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to give it to you as I see it. I, I, I will be surprised if this is a lopsided game either way. I felt that way about 17 as well. I thought, you know what, I think we'll win. I think it will be close. And we ended up winning by 30. I don't foresee a game like that unfolding. And there have been some other times I've been excited and thought State's got a chance, and then, you know, we didn't show up. Uh, there's something about the mystique of that LSU helmet. For some reason, it strikes fear in our hearts. But my hope is, as you look at last year's game, if you're a Mississippi State player, and say, you know what? We had the lead in the fourth quarter, and we blew it. We ignited that crowd with our own mistakes. And you got to think, you know, what, what's our conversation like today if Austin Williams fills that punt and let's say State goes out there and, um, you know, gets a field goal on that drive. Or maybe you flip the field. I mean, you're eating up time in the fourth quarter, right? Could be a much different deal. And you look at the score now and say, well, Steve, it was 31-16. Guys, they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. And we set them up on, what, the six-yard line. It could have been a much not truly indicative of how close that game was. And, again, State left a lot of points on the field. So I think there's some measure of issue look at that and say, you know, hey, we can play with these guys. We can play with these guys. Uh, but can we finish? You know, because even in that game with KJ back in 2020, you know, we go up there. People forget how many turnovers we had in that game. That game shouldn't have been close. And a lot of that had to do with Bo Pelini's reluctance to uh, go to his own defense. We're going to keep running man and bringing pressure. And, and, you know, KJ just destroyed him and had the greatest passing day in the history of the Southeastern Conference. Uh, but, yeah, to beat LSU guys, it's, it, it's, it's a 60-minute game. And that sounds like a cliché. And it's just like in baseball, right? There's always something weird that happens with LSU baseball. It's like, you know, like I was in Hoover a couple years ago, and it's like this game is over, and then some crazy play happens in three run score. You know, there's just always something. LSU is a team that's built on toughness. They have a ton of talent, but they have great culture down there. Uh, they expect to win. They understand that uh, the fourth quarter, in many respects, feels as long as the first three quarters combined because they make you fight for every inch on both sides of the line. And so we're going to have to bring our best effort to win this game. Can we win? Yes, we absolutely can. Uh, but uh, I look forward to seeing you guys and seeing a uh, capacity crowd at Davis Wade Stadium, even though it's going to be 11 a.m. game. If you're looking for tickets, you can still find them. And I encourage you, as always, if you're going to sell your tickets, please sell them to Mississippi State fans. We need as much maroon and as many cowbells as we can possibly get in the stands. For our LSU fans who are listening, be guys, be careful on the travels today. And, um, you know, don't drink too much. I know you guys like to come in and kind of pride yourselves on drinking the town dry, but we're a college town too. And I uh, got beer trucks on standby, right? Uh, but you guys be careful going and coming. And for all you Bulldog fans, as you get ready to travel, uh, you know, pack the cowbells and, uh, you know, bring a good attitude. And let's go out here and see if we can't win a ball game. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way that we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. 
Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.